The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deeply focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing this week, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm I I have mixed feelings. I'm Why? doing good. I'm doing good, like in general, but also when it comes to fantasy baseball, I am having a bad time. Uh, are you doing good or are you doing well? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. Shut up, Mr. White. <laughs> Mr. Big White's my father's name. <laughs> my dad is a teacher, uh, so that's kind of weird. But anyways. I bet he's pulled that on at least one student in his life. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So uh, this past Monday, uh, we, we are recording this on Friday night. This past Monday, I was down in North Carolina cl- uh, closing on my house. Yay. Yeah, big yays there. And... I went to see Batman, the, 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 the new one. And I went to an Alamo draft house. They have a rule where you cannot have your phone uh, make any noise. So uh, I had my phone off. And uh, th- th- that is a three-hour-long movie. So I had my phone off for, for, you know, three, three and a half hours or so. And the second I stepped out of the theater and turned my phone on, I got an alert that my first-round TGFBI draft pick would be out for three months. <laughs> And shortly after that, I got a notification that my favorite player in the world got his car flipped three times after getting T-boned. Thankfully, he's fine, but like, not having a good time. Not not, not loving it. Also, uh, my outfield pick from a couple episodes ago was just revealed to be uh, out for the start of the season. Yeah. He's got that fun combination of being fine but also being out, which doesn't make sense, but hopefully that means a short IL stay. Hopefully, yes. Um, but Kyle, in, Kyle Lewis, by the way. Oh, yes, Kyle Lewis. Um, but the important question, though, is wha, was the Batman good? The Batman was awesome. It was really like, good. Really great performances all around. Uh, Zoe Kravitz was great. Pattinson was great. Pattinson was, like, really good. Like, it's, not it's not surprising. It's not surprising. Everyone says he's a good actor, but I really haven't seen much with him in it. So I just like have it in my head that he's a good actor, but I didn't have any like actual frame of reference. And now I'm like, oh yeah, no, I get it. He's good. 
Yeah, he's fantastic in pretty much everything. He's also he he just seems like a rad dude to hang out with. I would love to hang out with Rob Pattinson so much. Um, I just want to hang out with Rob Pattinson and have him lie to me for a while. <laughs> what? That's that's very weird. I'm not gonna ask if. <laughs> hey, you know what? If that's what you're into, I'm not gonna question it. I'm not gonna worry no, about it at he's, all. He's he's got a long history of lying in like uh, press tour interviews. Oh yeah, of course. I, I just want him to tell. Like, I, I just want him to make up stories. Like that, just tell me stories, Rob Pattinson, with your immaculate jawline. Why would you not want to just like have some fun and just like goof with people and lie to them a little bit on a press tour, which is like probably the most boring. Like I get like people are very lucky to have a job as an actor, but like doing press tours has to be the most boring, redundant. You just have the same conversations over and over, get asked the same questions by every single reporter. Like, I mean, at a certain point, you have to make your own fun with that stuff. So, I mean, I can't I, I blame want them. to believe I want to believe that I would do the same. Hopefully just. Much less would. attractively. Stop. Knock that off. This man, Shrubby's being so negative about himself tonight. If he said that he has no charm before the podcast, I would say that you contribute at least 10% of the charm to this podcast. No, that, that seems fair. Seems fair. Oh, okay. Okay. He's not underselling himself then. Uh, <laughs> God. Uh, okay. Let's actually talk about baseball. I think we should probably, what is that? That's now. Oh yeah, that's right. Four minutes and 20 seconds. Nice of time that we spent talking about the batman uh but yeah let's talk about some of the because the lockout was lifted uh let's talk about some of the flurry of signings and free agency moves and trades that have happened over the past week and kind of the impacts that they've had on some of our deep league targets some folks that maybe aren't going to see as much playing time because of different signings um Maybe folks who see like a less diminished role because they're they they got signed. Um, I guess. What do you want to talk about first? Should we talk about Chris Bryant? Yeah, sure. But I mean, firstly, how fun has this been? I actually kind of like it when it's kind of been condensed like this because there's so much happening so fast. Right. Like everyone always talks about how the baseball offseason is usually a slow burn compared to like the nfl and the nba where it's a flurry and everyone gets signed pretty much uh instantly but this has been this has been a blast yeah i kind of love it honestly like i prefer it a little bit yeah i mean i could do without the lead up that we had this year but the free agency itself has been awesome yeah the actual conditions of why it's all been condensed like this not great obviously but i think I don't know. For me, after what ends up being like nine months of watching baseball and paying attention to it so closely, I just really always need a break. And I feel like I just don't really want to pay attention between like November and January really at all. So I really, I would, which is why we took a hiatus. Yes. A much needed. Yes, exactly. We took our little vacation, but like I would love to be, I don't know if you can hear currently the chinchilla in the background currently just chewing on some wood yeah merlin is currently chewing on wood and it's very very loud so i'm sorry if that's picking up on my mic but um no i think like the hiatus and everything like that i would prefer to like i don't know is would it be cool if there was like a like a like a transfer window kind of like in like with soccer you know Mm. and baseball like during the offseason rather than having it all be like okay you can start training throughout the entire offseason instead have it be like a transfer and signing window of like two months before the season starts or like starting two months before spring training begins. Ooh. So I speaking of, speaking of this off season, 
Yes. Uh, I, I happened to glance down at my phone just now, and I literally just said in our last episode that I never look at Twitter while we're recording. But I That's just looked at Twitter while we were I literally That's just looked at Twitter while we were recording. And uh, Mar- Martin Maldonado said, uh, I'm sorry I tried with some crying faces, which could indicate that uh, the Korea saga is coming to a close. Oh, which no. Would, with Baltimore as a leading contender. Oh, my God. Man. Okay. So that. I, I literally wrote in the notes about someone that I'm going to talk about tonight because the Korea <laughs> thing, well, actually two people, the Korea thing might affect but one or both of them, uh, or one or the other, I should say. It's not going to affect both of them because he's going to sign on one team, um, but uh, I'm very nervous to talk about my middle infielders because I feel like in the middle of us recording, news is going to break. It's it's just the nature of this offseason, which is why we're about to talk about like 15 things that happened since the last time we recorded. Yes. But yeah, you said you said uh, Chris Bryant to start off, so let's start there. Yeah, I mean, I guess the effect with this, he's probably going to be playing in the outfield, right? Uh, so I can only assume that he's going to be there pretty much every day. And then, like, this is mostly going to affect, like, Sam Hilliard and Connor Joe, I would guess. I mean, there's a lot of platooning going on in that outfield to begin with. So um, that was announced. They did say left field. Okay. Now, I, yeah. I imagine that's not full-time. I actually, uh, I, I might immediate reaction to the news of chris bryant signing was to tweet r.i.p sam hilliard and both of our our recent nemeses from sleeper in the bust commented on that thread and uh it turned into a big discussion about sam hilliard's value connor joe's value so uh you know a good good place to to glean some info if you want to track down that tweet but i i think for me what it winds up meaning to the team at large is that everyone is hurt. Everybody whose name isn't Chris Bryant. My hope is that Sam Hilliard is a little bit shielded from the addition because he can play center field. He's currently listed as the strong side of a center field platoon, which would be kind of nice for his value. Although there, there are a good number of lefties in uh in the NL West, but the the hope is that Sam Hilliard gets to play a lot at a center field and hopefully DH. But yeah, I mean, I think this means fewer at-bats for Daza, for Hampson, for Joe, for Hilliard. So that's kind of a, that's a blow to, you know, deep league owners who rely on that course field effect. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, those plate appearances have to come from somewhere. Just across the board, I feel like a lot of Rockies outfielders just kind of take a hit here between the platoon splits across the board. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, I'm personally very happy because I took Chris Bryan TGFBI. So this is fantastic for me because his stock has done nothing but go up with this signing. Um, nice. There's always been like concerns with his declining exit velos as he's aged and everything like that. Um, but I think the batting average gets a boost. The homers get a boost. So I'm pretty jacked about this personally but yeah it is a downside for our deep league friends um i'm very sad we, we that have, uh we we have like the polar opposite fantasy baseball luck it's and that's the thing though is i feel like all of the leagues that actually matter like your home leagues where you're actually like playing for money you do very very well oh i crush my home leagues but if, yeah. like it's it's very me to join one expert league and then just everything falls apart just get bodied yeah this the second we made a board bet what happened about Kutch and Hilliard? Oh, I think uh, Chris Bryant got signed. Yeah, Chris Bryant got signed, and McCutcheon signed in a really nice spot. You know, your favorite team. 
absolutely I I'm 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 over here absolutely zooted over this. This makes me so happy. Unbelievable. I'm so happy about I mean, we had this on the list, I think, somewhere where it was gonna be further down, but let's just talk, let's just talk about uh let's talk about Andrew McCutcheon <laughs> right now a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm super excited about it, mostly because the Brewers really, really needed help against left-handed pitching on offense, and Kutch had a north of 1,000 OPS last year against left-handed pitching. He was fantastic last year. Um, and then also just, like, more outfield depth is always welcome. Uh, and he's just, he just seems like such a cool dude, and I'm glad that he's choosing to spend, like, a year near the end of his career in Milwaukee. It's, it just makes me so happy. It feels like a really good value signing in like more David Stern's magic where they're going to be able to just throw him in there against left-handed pitching and let him rake. So technically Kutch is a, in the deep target as he did have a post 300 ADP, but we expect that to change. We expect that ADP to start rising now that he both has a job and it's a nice looking job. I think it's still going to stay depressed. I think just because of like the platoon split, right? Because he's probably, I mean, or maybe he does. I, I, there's, there's still a lot of unknowns here. We don't know how Craig Council is going to deploy Kutch. Um, I think his value in terms of like ADP will still be depressed for a little bit until his role becomes more clear. Then he might jump up. Like for folks who are drafting really, really late in spring training, because I know a lot of people wanted to wait until things mm-hmm. were a little bit clearer before uh, actually drafting their their squads. So. I think it's going to climb for sure. I just don't know how much. I still think he's probably going to be like late 200s by the time uh, draft season ends, but... Technically out of our range? Technically, yes, out of our range, but I think just barely is where he ends up, like 280-ish, 290-ish. So what does this mean for frequent uh, topic of in the deep Tyron Taylor? Yeah. He feels like the odd man out, right? Feels like the odd man out. I mean, he'll still be able to fill in at any of the outfield spots. That's the thing. He's a, he's a, he's first and foremost, I think he is defensive utility for the Brewers. Like he's still very, very good in the field, can play any of the outfield spots, can pinch hit late in games, obviously, when you want that uh, better matchup. Um, I just don't see him getting that much playing time. You've got, you've got Kane. It's going to be Kane, Renfro, and Yelich is going to be the main kind of deployment of that outfield right mm-hmm. and then it's going to kind of pivot from there um i don't see him getting as many reps now that kutch got signed which is sad because i wanted to see him at least get some more run to see how he could do over a larger sample but um i think this move made the team better so that's all i really care about personally but obviously for fantasy purposes it really kind of hurts tyrone taylor i think so a little bit uh less luster on him unfortunately yeah, it's unfortunate, but I, it absolutely helps the Brewers as a whole. Uh, yes. They're definitely, they're, they are still very much the class of the NL Central. 100%. And this only helps. Uh, so staying in the NL Central, we have a uh, Corey Dickerson signing for St. Louis. Now, Roster Resource currently has Corey Dickerson as the strong half of a DH platoon with Juan Yepes, uh, another frequent mention of In the Deep. Little bummed about that because I really wanted to see what Yepes could do in full-time plate appearances. And uh, it was already iffy if he would get them or not with mm-hmm. Lars Nupar and Edmundo Soso lurking on the bench. And this only m- muddies the playing time waters even more. Uh, you actually literally 
like within the last few hours drafted Juan Yepes in one of our dynasty leagues that I we did. are competing against yeah. each other in, prom- prompting an angry text message from me. Oh, Schwabzi got big mad. Not okay, not big mad, but he was like, he's he had some he had some choice words for me in DMs. I will say I, I call, that. Oh, I'll I'll say it. I'll say it out loud. I called him a jerk. I did. I did it. Called me. He called me. Folks, I, I'm not one. I'm I'm not, I'm not paraphrasing here. He called me a butthead. <laughs> he did. It was it wasn't it wasn't very nice. Um, but yeah, I was I was very happy to snipe Schwebzy in a first year player draft. It feels really good, honestly. It's just a little bit sweeter than it normally would be sniping it's, someone it's, when I just get to talk to you about it over the airwaves. I don't like being in a draft with you because you know everybody I like. <laughs> it's not uh, cool, man. It's it's the downside of having a podcast with someone. I mean, you could still snipe me technically too, even though you're only like two picks after me. I, sh- I would never do that to you. Yes, you would. I'm absolutely going to try to do that to you. Okay, good. We'll see who you can get from me. I hope you can. I I hope you can return the favor genuinely, so that way we can just beef <laughs> it out. That sounds weird. Right. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> um, there's the whole Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson saga that you wrote down here, Schwebs. Uh, obviously Freddie Freeman now signed with the Dodgers. Uh, what is it? Five year, one hundred and sixty two million dollar deal. And then Olsen signed a huge extension with Atlanta after he signed or after he was traded there. Um, so what are the I, I effects th- from this outside of a John Nagowski stock going in the toilet? Unbelievable. I, I hate to see my boy John Nagowski without a starting job now. I was so excited to see him get 650 plate appearances for Atlanta <laughs> and hit like 300 with two home runs. But... <laughs> I I think as as far as we are concerned, that leaves us like Atlanta is useless to us now. Kind of. Yeah, there's not that many people that we're really going to be able to touch and kind of like, quote unquote, our range. Like maybe Alex Dickerson, if he gets to if he gets strong side platoon. Yeah. Uh, plate appearances. But yeah, I mean, uh, we we kind of just get to ignore Atlanta completely now. Same thing for the Dodgers, really. It's like uh, the. I will say before we move on from the from Atlanta, I will. I mean, something that we didn't put in the notes, but also now, Will Smith's stock is dropping. He's not in our area either, but because they signed Kenley Jansen tonight too, which is absolutely just, absurd, just wild. Yeah, Alex Anthony and wait, Anthopolis. Gosh, wow, I couldn't say that to save my life. Uh, Alex Anthopolis, uh, just popping off currently. He is having an off season for it's, sure. It's go- after it's goofy. after absolutely nailing the trade deadline last year, he is you know carrying that uh, momentum into this off season and just putting on a masterclass to to my chagrin. Yes. So the Dodgers on the other side of that Freeman saga, also you know we don't care. There's I, there, I, there's no one in that starting nine because what it's going to be like. One through nine, I'm going to try to rattle it off off the top of my head. So it's going to be Mookie, Trey Turner, Freeman. Um, oh, God, I already, I already oh, lost. Oh, you're petering out after three. That's a bad yeah, sign. That's a bad sign. Why am I like this right now? Justin Turner, Max Muncy, Will Smith, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, AJ Pollock. God, that's such a disgusting lineup. Dude. Such a disgusting lineup. Like when AJ Pollock is your, like AJ Pollock is a genuinely very, very good hitter. Yeah. He would no, be he's a nine hole hitter. Yeah. He would he would be hitting like fifth on a lot of teams. I feel like. Yeah, you're probably right. Honestly, oh god. Anyways, yeah, that's gonna be miserable. I don't envy anyone so, in the NL West this year. 
the Dodgers did do one other interesting thing today in signing Tyler Anderson. Ooh, that's closer to that's closer to our range. So, and you know, take this with a grain of salt because we don't have uh you know, we don't really have much news yet regarding lineup and rotation configurations, but roster resource currently has Tyler Anderson penciled in as the number 5 starter there. Mm. And if that winds up being the case, that is interesting because Tyler Anderson is very much a Toby and a Toby in Los Angeles is cool because he's going to get lineup support and it's a pretty nice pitcher's park yeah it is quite literally a toby mcguire yep yeah it is i mean if he if he gets to stay in la all year he could be toby mcguire which is the best toby yes the bestest of the tobys uh yeah this is gonna be it seems like they've signed a lot of these kind of like depth arms in LA like they haven't signed anyone like super blockbuster in terms I mean re-signing Kershaw is one thing but it feels like they've got a lot of like these depth like fringe SP four or five arms uh that they can kind of like reach to they very much seem to be going with the quantity over quality as as far as arms go which isn't the worst move when you know like that just you know figure out who's gelling in October and just throw those arms out the most that's how teams win in the playoffs these days that's how the Nationals won. That's how the Braves won. True. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how good that pitching staff actually ends up being as a whole over the course of the season. I'm curious to see, see who emerges as like kind of like the solid SP4, SP5 there. But yeah, I mean, between between Heaney, Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin, I'm very interested to see who winds up getting like the bulk of those starts. Yeah. If you had to pick two of those three right now, which ones would you pick? Cuz I'm thinking about that myself and I don't know. Like I have to take a second here. Uh, just from a talent perspective, it's Heaney and Gonsolin. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Like cuz Tyler Anderson, like it if Heaney's clicking on all cylinders, he's not a Toby. He's better than that. It's like if he can get that home run problem under control Mm -hmm. he suddenly becomes very very rosterable and Gonsolin two years ago was like the most impressive rookie pitcher around like he was awesome in his first uh, stint with the Dodgers you know underwhelming last year but he's also been injured so I if he can get back to full strength he's very intriguing true yeah I'd be curious to watch throughout the season I'm I'm actually really that's the storyline I'm more like the offense. It's going to be great. Who cares? Like, that's fine. It's going to be boring. They're going to be fantastic. The pitching staff is what I'm going to be watching in LA. That's going to be fun to see. Um, all right, let's move to, let's go from starters to bullpen. So we have a few relievers that we want to talk about. starting off with Andrew Chafin going to the Tigers. Um, he's got to get some save opportunities at some point during the season, right? Like I know that Gregory Soto was still kind of like noted by, uh, AJ Hinch as the closer there. But I feel like at the first sign of trouble, Chafin and also maybe even like Michael Fulmer, who's someone that I was very excited about and thinking that he might get a chance at the job there at some point. Um, I feel like one or both of them will get shots at it too. What do you think, Schwebs? It's going to be interesting because we, we look at Chafin as a very solid reliever and a threat to get saves. Mm Mm-hmm. How many saves do you think he has in his career? I'm going to say less than 10. That is accurate. He has eight saves in his career. Yeah. He's never had five like a of which came last role, year. 
but they're no, he it, hasn't. He's just been a solid pitcher out of the bullpen. Yeah, right. So, but that never having a closer role is relevant because you 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 know sometimes managers don't manage to the player. Sometimes they manage to the title or the implication of like their role or whatever. Yep. And Chafin's just always been viewed as a setup guy, and it's it's not always easy for those setup guys to actually earn those closer roles. I, I think he can. I think he absolutely can take that role and run with it. The question is if he gets it in the first place. He might be third in line. Soto was already named the closer prior to this. I can't imagine that signing an established setup guy is going to make you change that. Mm-hmm. And we all know, well, we, we both think that Fulmer has very good skills and should probably be the next man up or was the next man up before this. Does this rearrange that pecking order? We we have to find out. We don't we just don't really know at this point. Yeah, it's a wait and see at this point. I feel like I I feel just like off off rip, I feel like Chafin probably gets the second chance now over Fulmer, but I would love to be wrong about that because I thought that Fulmer showed flashes near the end of last year of being really, really excellent. So we'll see. Um all right, so let's talk about Alex Colome going to the Rockies. Uh following in the long tradition of Rockies closers that you hate mm. to roster. Yeah, I'm I'm not interested particularly in, in the proud I mean, footsteps of Daniel Bard and Carlos Estevez. Actually, we, I mean we're kind of just assuming that Colome takes this job. It's uh, last we heard it was Estevez's job. We don't uh we're assuming that Colome takes it over, but we don't actually know that yet. Yeah, it's not a confirmed thing. Still, I mean, wait and see on that. Just pay attention. If there's any news that comes out about it, then act accordingly. But I would I would think that they wouldn't be signing Colome to be like a setup man. Eh? I don't know. Um, I, don't, just, I guess, you know, yeah. He's just another person to add to your list of late round save dart throws. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, except he has the fun <laughs> He has the fun thing of like, even if he has the closer role, he's still a dart throw because he could just get, have a seven ERA. Oh God! Okay, I I am very likely to have saves. zero shares. I hate saves so I mean, so much sometimes. This this is purely us doing our jobs and informing you of things that happened. I I expect to have zero shares of Colome this year. Yeah, I'm probably gonna pass two personally. I I'm I I found myself in the few drafts that I have done so far. I found myself reaching for saves. A little bit getting like it's one or two trend this year. Yeah. One or two arms and then taking like one or two lottery tickets later on. that can hopefully nab some throughout the year or maybe can steal a roll. But yeah. Um, all right. And then lastly, let's talk about Ian Kennedy going to the Diamondbacks. So like Melanson signed there. We had Melanson signing with the D-backs and now Ian Kennedy is there. I mean, those are options one and two. I'd assume that Melanson gets the first shot and then Kennedy, if he falters, will be currently the setup man and then the closer if Melanson goofs up at any point um that's my thinking it's I mean I don't know how many you're actually going to get out of Kennedy I would say Shrubsy over under on Ian Kennedy getting let's say 12 saves this year under under think so Mm -hmm. interesting maybe we'll make this a board bet Hmm. You said you wanted to do a board oh, really? bet before you're the episode. Ma- you're making board. You're making board bets now. I thought you were too scared to make board bets tonight, huh? Let's just for for you guys at home. To be Jordan, clear, you're the one who's Jordan, the coward right now. Uh, yeah, but except I'm turning it back on you is what we're doing here. 
So uh, I was trying to make a board bet. The, the, I, you wouldn't know it from the first 20 minutes, but this is going to be the middle infielder preview episode. And a middle <laughs> infielder who is going after 300 is Jeff McNeil, who I'm a very big fan of. Jordan, not so much. So I'm trying nah. to make a board bet of Jeff McNeil versus any other post 300 middle infielder that Jordan chooses. And he won't do it. Because I don't like any of these. And and I don't like my anyone. response to that is so you think that Jeff McNeil is the best one, and Jordan refuses to to acknowledge that either. So he's he's just I don't know, being, being real iffy right now, Jordan. Are you done with the clown show? I will never be done with my clown show. You ready to hop off that unicycle yet and stop juggling? Uh, he's wearing the makeup and everything, folks. It's it's awful. Um, I'm not making a board bet with you. On Jeff McNeil, Schwebzy. That's the end. Coward. Yeah, I am. And again, it's like looking in a mirror. Debate me, coward. (laughs) Again, it's like looking in a mirror. We're both cowards, really, when it comes right down to it. Um, Wait, so, so what, look, I, I am no coward. What would your board bet be with Ian Kennedy? Just that over under for saves? Yeah, 12. I'll take it. I'm down. Cool. Let's do it. Okay, I'll mark it down. Ian Kennedy. I know, Twelve saves, got it. Okay, um, moving on. That's the last of the relievers that we could think well, to talk about right now. There is the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen, which is just—I don't know. It's like the best it's, bullpen it's, of 2018. It's something. Yeah, it's something. Like they have uh, Jose Alvarado, Jerry's Familia, Brad Hand, uh, and uh, uh, Corey Kniebel, of course. So mm-hmm. Jordan and I both have shares of Corey Kniebel and Gregory Soto in TGFBI. So our save situations are very tenuous. Dangerous. I mean, that's the thing, too, is, I mean, I will say the good thing is that both, if I am to understand correctly, if I'm remembering, both Kniebel and Soto, we know that Soto is for sure. I know that for sure because I read the report that AJ Hinch said that he is still the closer even after the signing of Chafin. Um, and I believe that I read a report coming from Girardi saying that Knable was still slotted to be the closer to start the season. So at the very I least, right. I think we both have the named closers to begin the season, which is good. Uh, and then we can just work the waiver wire from there appropriately. So yeah, that's nice. I mean, the, the, sca- the, the scary thing about Philly's situation is that they have one, two, three, four guys in their bullpen who aren't Knable who have previous closing experience. So yes, yeah, that's something that's concerning to me. Although Familia is not what he used to be. Same for Brad Hand uh, and Jose Alvarado. Just walks so many people in spite of his electric arm or because of his electric arm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, my money is still on Knable leading that bullpen and saves but yeah i mean the phillies are just building like the highest volatility bullpen i can remember but at least it's a more talented bullpen than they usually build yes very very true better better to be high volatility and talented than high volatility and bad bad yeah yeah um yeah it's is that the rest of that's that's it for bullpen right Okay, awesome. And then let's very tangentially move to someone who played for the Phillies last year. Let's talk about Brad Miller real quick. Not sure what to make of this because 
Brad Miller is mostly an infielder by trade, and I don't really... I mean, I guess third base is kind of open for Texas. I was very much getting ready to use this section as an opportunity to talk up Andy Ibanez because I feel like he's a, a nice, underrated compiler and batting average guy. But now he might be in a platoon, a weak side platoon with Brad Miller. So I don't feel confident shouting out Andy Ibanez anymore, unfortunately. So yeah, I mean, so much for that. Uh, Brad Miller hits tanks, low batting average. If he gets full platoon at bats at third base, might be worth rostering for you if you need some power numbers. I can dig that. Um, what about Colin Moran? Signing with, or he's with the Reds now, correct? Yeah, very similar, really. Better ballpark. Some, yeah, yeah, better ballpark. Although we we really we only have like a little bit of data so far with Texas to know how that ballpark is. It's just aesthetically, it looks like it should be a pitcher's park because it looks cavernous. But uh, yeah, we don't we don't really know for sure yet how that's going to play long term. Colin Moran currently. Again, looking like the strong side of a platoon over in Cincinnati, but Cincinnati has just completely cleaned house. So it's, it's sad. Right? I hesitate. I I hesitate to really like make any declarations about their lineup right now because who knows? Like they still might ship out Mustakas. They still might ship out Naquin, and you know some of their starting pitchers. It's it's weird over there right now. But we're gonna we're gonna talk more about Cleveland. Uh, as a whole in a little bit but yeah Colin Moran yes yes sorry are you good uh yeah I I mean I expect similar stuff from Moran as the rest of his career which is you know he'll he'll have a stretch where he can like carry a team just probably just once like he'll have like one week where he's awesome but by the end of the year he'll wind up with like double digit home runs probably not reach 20 hit like 250 kind of, yeah he'll be fine yeah born production which is fine at that point yeah. in draft. What is his ADP? Do we know offhand? I can find it real quick. Lane? Okay. After offhand. All right. I'll just keep going, though. Uh, Jack Peterson signing with the Giants. Am I right in remembering this? Yes. I did. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be honest. This happened yesterday. We're recording this, like Schwabzi said before, on a Friday. I had no clue that this signing happened. I completely missed this. So this is completely news to me. Um, first, just impression of this. I kind of like it. Lefties have been doing well in, in uh, San yes. Francisco lately. Yes, they have. Um, one thing that doesn't make me as happy is that it hurts my, my, my favorite boy, Lamont Wade Jr., I think, a little Both bit. Both of our boys. Yeah. And uh, Darren Ruff. And not Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt's just going to play all the time. But yes, it does hurt Darren Ruff. He as should, well. yeah. Um, disappointing. Kind of disappointing in that regard, um, but I think for Jock himself, I'm kind of excited about that fit. I think it's going to be a really fun team for him to play for. Will Will he like? Do you think he'll like dive in the bay and fish for his own pearls now? Yes, hundred percent. Seems like he'd be. He seems like he would do that. That was the whole reason he signed there. <laughs> I I want to be as close to the water as possible. It's either Pittsburgh or San Francisco. Those are my only options. The Pits, those Pittsburgh pearls aren't as nice. The the famous Pittsburgh pearls that yes. we all know about that definitely exist uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um so jose iglesias signed in colorado and this is one that i'm actually kind of interested in i'm kind of intrigued by 
Jose Iglesias in Colorado because the only times historically that Jose Iglesias has been very good from a fantasy perspective have been the times where his BABIP was out of control. And you know what happens a lot in Colorado? People's BABIPs get out of control because it's a massive field. And I, I have absolutely given this spiel before on this podcast, but a lot of people think that it's power numbers that get impacted the most in Colorado because the ball flies further. But the huge outfield is more of a factor than people think. That's why you see a lot of outlandish batting averages in Colorado historically. So I am, uh, I'm, I'm excited by Jose Iglesias here. This is one of my favorite late round middle infield targets. Now I'm actually a little bit upset that I didn't talk about, uh, pick him for my deep dive right now. Yeah, actually that I, does surprise I, me too. Like I, I think he could very easily hit double digit home runs, chip in enough steals to matter and hit for a really nice batting average, score a bunch of runs. Yeah, that'll be enough. And I mean, what is his actually? Wait, I can look it up here. What is his ADP? Jose Iglesias. I can't find you. Five eighty one. Yeah, basically free. Dang. Yeah. Wait. Is, what? What is, what is that time frame? Uh, from the past month. Okay. I've been. I've been. I always do the beginning of February. I should. I should really update my uh, my rankings. Oh no, it's fine. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty dang good value for someone who could accumulate those sort of stats. And like, I feel like I'm always trying to find some batting average because I feel like I'm pretty risky with my batting average early on in drafts. A lot of times I think it's a place that I fall short. Um, so being able to find something like that late in a draft would be pretty cool. And uh, yeah, that's a real cheap price. You know who's good for batting average? Who's that? Jeff McNeil. <laughs> uh so this is a guy that you are particularly interested in or at least were at one point oh, josh, josh harrison yeah, josh harrison i have walked that back just a little bit okay quite okay. literally if you look at the projections for this season it's like the what it's like jerry reinstorf was like you know what we have larry garcia but no you know what we need we need another larry garcia it's it's in it's uncanny. They're like one home run apart from having the exact same season, basically, in terms of projections on a lot of sites. Um, I think personally, this is mostly just really a, like a really fun thing and a really good culture fit for that team. And I think he's like going to be a great fit on the south side, and he's going to be really really fun to watch. I think it's a better real life baseball acquisition than it is like for fantasy purposes. It's not going to boost anyone's stock a ton necessarily. Um, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. Mom, I want a Josh Harrison. We have a Josh Harrison at home already. Quite literally. It is it is uncanny how close their projections are. But uh yeah. Uh circling back to Oakland after they got rid of the mats and yes. now are just stripped bare. Uh who sees who sees a bump from that, Schwebzy? My I mean, honestly, this could be an episode like we're we're about to talk it's about true. since we're about to talk about Oakland and Cincinnati, and we could very literally do an entire episode just on the the God, the calamity that has befallen these two lineups. But Oakland specifically, I think that the biggest beneficiaries of the raising of this team are Seth Brown, mm-hmm. who 
hit 20 home runs in half a season last year very quietly. The batting average is going to be bad, but you know, if, if he hits 30 plus home runs, you can stomach a, two, a 225 batting average. Uh, Chad Pinder, who I talked about in our outfielder episode, just barrels the ball constantly. And in theory, we'll have full-time plate appearances now. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Christian Pache. Ooh, that's a good one. He's not a good hitter. And it's a cavernous ballpark. So who knows if he has the oomph to get the ball out of there more than 10 times. But yeah, he also gets to play on the road sometimes. And he's got the speed to steal bases. He's a fantastic defender, which should in theory keep him on the diamond. And that's it. I don't have many more nice things to say about Christian Pache at this point in time, <laughs> sadly. I felt bad for him uh, when he found out he got traded. Some of the Twitter posts that he was making made me very sad because he was very clearly very committed to the Atlanta organization. Yeah, I, I feel like it's particularly hard on international signees who, you know, they grow up. They, they get drafted so young, they grow up with these organizations and then they're gone. Must, it must, it's got to be hard. Yeah, you know, like one team throughout your entire career. And like I think also being that young too probably doesn't help either. Um but yeah. Um all right, lastly here we have you put down Yusei Kikuchi going to the well, Jays. Before that, the Cincinnati disaster. Oh gosh, yeah, sorry, I skipped over that completely. So I'm going to talk, one of my deep dives is going to be on a Cincinnati Red player that is a beneficiary of the horrific things that have gone down there. I'm just trying to come up with more and more synonyms of really bad things to come up with, uh, you know, the athletics and Reds. I, all right, I, I have a, I have a hot take. Let's go. Let's hear it. I think Jake Fraley is this year's Robbie Grossman. No one has ever said that sentence before in the history of the world. No one has ever world. said that sentence. Good God. I, I, that, that's, a, that's a sentence <laughs> that would only be uttered on our podcast. What in the world? <laughs> I love no, it. No, I love th- it. That, I mean, you, you know how, like, in the fantasy baseball world, a lot of stuff gets repeated and just, it, it's kind of, it's a little bit like an echo chamber. I, I want to believe that this is my first fully unique thing that no one else is on. <laughs> Honestly, Shrubsy, this sounds like a sentence that a bot would come up with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I fed the Cincinnati Reds lineup into machine learning, and this is what it said. <laughs> this is this is a this is a Dave Zimborski tweet. No, uh, yeah, I think Jake Fraley it, it can do fifteen dingers, fifteen stolen bases, and put up a strong OBP. Batting average is going to be bad, but uh, I, I think he can absolutely give you those those. Uh, counting numbers and we mentioned Colin Moran earlier I think there's some cheap power there Mike Moustakis there's hope for a bounce back but I'm not super optimistic there uh and then I mean this is this is actually a fantastic segue oh uh Yusei Kikuchi I don't care that's my that's my Yusei Kikuchi take Mikey Ahedo's gonna come for your head I know I liked Yusei Kikuchi last year I did. He was one of my starting pitcher picks and he started off really well and made me look really smart for like a month before completely falling apart after the sticky stuff ban. Maybe related, maybe not, maybe injury related as a, a Hedo inferred. Yes. 
I think it is just a terrible match. The one, th- like, Toronto, Rogers Center is basically a neutral park. It's close enough to neutral that you can say that, except for one thing. Dingers. It's so easy to hit home runs there. And that is Kikuchi's one bugaboo. That's the one thing that he's really, really bad at, is allowing home runs. So I'm I'm just not in on Toronto, you say Kikuchi. I think but, the uh, big thing the big thing for him always is his velo. Like if he is sitting around like ninety six, like he had previous like a few times last season, he was fantastic. But once it dropped below like down to like ninety five, ninety four or less, his ERA shot up super super high. So the velo is the biggest thing for him. If he can like maintain that ninety six mile per hour, he should be all right. Um, but yeah, it's up in the air. I don't know. I'm medium on. I'm medium on it. I'm, I'm not completely selling on Kikuchi yet, um, but I'm not bought in. All right. So I have one other Cincinnati Red that I would like to talk about, and this is actually going to be one of my deep dives. So we are going to segue into that right after this ad break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, and we are back. So, Schwebsy, let's dive into Jose Barrero. Take it away. Yes, formerly known as Jose Garcia. You may recognize that name from prospect lists, and then he suddenly disappeared because he's been, he has taken the name Jose Barrero now. Now, this is probably my least favorite kind of analysis, which is stat line scouting for a minor leaguer, because uh, I am frankly not good at prospect analysis which is why we, we, we used to be a deep league and dynasty focused podcast. And we quickly realized that dynasty was not our forte. So uh, we, that's why we took that part out of the title, but yeah, like, like anyone else, I can look at a fan page and pick out things I like and don't like about a player. But at the end of the day, I generally defer to the people who are much smarter than me regarding prospects. And those people are pretty consistent in their belief that Jose Barrero can really be something at the major league level. I was kind of lukewarm on Barrero until a few days ago, not because of his talent, because of his opportunity, because it looked like he had a role, but he had struggled in his uh, first couple of cups of coffee and struck out an absolute boatload. So I was concerned that he might get yo-yoed up and down a little bit or get that dreaded extra month of seasoning in the minors to figure out his defense as uh, teams love to do. But then the great exodus occurred in Cincinnati, and suddenly it looks like they have absolutely no interest in contending, and there's no reason to hold Barrero back, at least to my eyes. Charlie Goldsmith of the Cincinnati Inquirer reported after the big Winker Suarez trade 
that Jose Barrero could be a major beneficiary of the newfound playing opportunity. And that was where my head was at, and I'm glad that the, uh, the, the beat writers there agree. Roster Resource currently has Jose Barrero starting in the minors, but I do expect that to change in the coming weeks, especially if he performs even a little bit in spring training. Before exhausting his rookie eligibility in 2021, Barrero was the number 31 prospect in baseball with a 55 future value per fan graphs, and Prospects Live also tagged him with a 55 future potential in their 2021 midseason update. If you look now, you will not see him on prospect lists because he has exhausted his prospect eligibility. No longer a rookie. So the, uh, the carrying skills here should sound like music to fantasy managers' ears because he checks a lot of major boxes for fantasy owners. He's got good power. He's got good speed. He's got good defense. And, uh, it, you know, we, we like good defenders here on In the Deep because it keeps iffy players on the field. Last year, uh, almost evenly split between double and triple A, Barrero hit 19 home runs and stole 16 bags, making it easy to dream about 2020-plus upside. And he paired that with a 300 batting average and perfectly cromulent plate discipline numbers, even improving his walk rate after jumping to triple A. As with all young players, there's some risk here, but I love the potential, and we could be looking at a breakout similar to teammate Jonathan India if things break right. We love, we love, 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 love playing time here. Also, uh, just about as much as you love the word cromulent, I've come to realize. I think that's probably one of your favorite words to use. It's a, I do love that be, word. To be fair, it's a it's a freaking excellent word. It's a good word. It's a really really good word. Um, but yeah, yeah, the opportunity is there. Uh, and that's at at this point in a draft, that's all you can really ask for. What is his ADP again? Do we know. Oh my god, I should know this. This this man three sixty is his current ADP. <laughs> so. I mean, at that point, professional draft, that is, what is that math? Ooh, that's divisible by 15. So we know exactly when that is. That is the last pick of the 24th, 24th round. Thank you. Here we go. We did it. We math. do this once a week. Every week we do this. You think we get a pick, figure out what round that is. <laughs> you, you, you think we get better at this at a certain point, but nope. we strive for mediocrity here under the deep. We thrive in it. We bask in it. Um, but yeah, no, I do like Barrero, though, at this point in the draft. Again, getting that opportunity and getting that playing time is all that really matters at this point in the draft, I think, especially at the start of the season. Uh, you can churn and burn and try to like pick up those newly debuting prospects at any point during the season, but early on, you just want people who are going to be on the field right away. So definitely down with Barrero. Um, so you, yeah. you've, got, you've got two players you want to talk about. And one of them is going to wind up useless. Maybe. We know that, but we, we don't we, we know don't, which we, we don't know. We that. don't know which one. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so this is we're, we're talking about the it's current likely. starting. Yeah. The current starting shortstops of both Houston and Baltimore. Yes. One of them I'm talking about as a second baseman because he does have second base eligibility. Um, but I'm going to start with my shortstop. I'm going to start with Jeremy Pena. Current ADP is 446. I'm going to get that out of the way right away. So that way. I don't have to go looking for it again. Um, so I don't. So I don't surprise you and ask you about it later. Yeah, because I already said it, Schwabzi. I'll pop quiz you later about it. Don't worry. Um, in a weird way, like with both him and then my other uh, middle infielder that I'm going to talk about, I'm kind of fully expecting them to be irrelevant in less than 24 hours because there's a chance that Carlos Correa signs with 
the Astros again. It could happen. Uh, but for now, Jeremy Pena is slated to be the starting shortstop for what I personally believe to be one of the best offenses in baseball still. Uh, even though, like Schwabzi pointed out before we started recording, it is a bit top-heavy, more top-heavy than it used to be. But it's still very, very good top to bottom, I think. Um, Pena's mostly been touted as a prospect for his glove, and like rightly so. He's a really good defender. But he showed some pop last year that was kind of uncharacteristic of his previous performances. Like, he came back after the pandemic uh, canceled season, essentially. Uh, he was at Instructionals, I believe, and like showed, and showed some improvement there. Uh, and then last year, he was able to slug almost 600 uh, and with 10 home runs over 133 plate appearances in AAA. That's good. It's, as it turns out, that is, is, it's, it's pretty okay. It's, it's pretty darn good. Um, he was also able to get on base at a 346 clip, which weirdly was mostly equal parts walks, but also hit by pitches. He, he walked six times and was hit by pitches five times, which is pretty wild. Yeah, Jordan came to me and was like, this walk percentage and OBP make no sense. And I was like, hit by pitches. Like, turns out he gets hit by pitches, like, a lot. And it's, yeah, it's actually something, it's it's a common theme uh, with Jeremy Pena. So maybe you can expect that to carry over a little bit into the majors. And, like, it's kind of a weird way to get that on-base percentage up, but hey, it works. I mean, we'll take it however we can get it. Um, he also benefits because he does have plus speed which allows him to steal bags though. According to folks at prospect live prospects live, like a uh, Jeff Pontes, um, he may need to be a bit more selective cause he can be a little bit, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, a little bit too aggressive on the base paths is I guess the best way to put it. I was trying to find a better word than aggressive, but couldn't come up with one. Um, but yeah, circling back to how I started with Pena, the most important aspect of his game, kind of like we noted with Jose Barrero, is that in deep league terms, his defense is going to keep him on the field. And that's the most important part of this equation, especially at the start of the season. Um, current projections have him slated for around 350 plate appearances over the course of the season. But as long as Carlos Correa doesn't resign, hopefully in this case... I think he ends up closer to 450 or 500 plate appearances, and he, if he does that, he's going to return an excellent value at his current ADP. Which, yeah, I'm again, right there with you. 446. So I'm gonna I'm gonna drop some spoilers right now for a couple of things. Uh, better not be the Batman because I haven't seen you yet, Schwabzy. Uh Batman beats people up. Uh, just so you know, I hate. But I hate you so much. Will be uh oh, and and the Riddler does in fact tell riddles. So we, uh, this next week, uh, Tuesday, actually, we're going to be recording a podcast with some of our friends on the Pitchless Podcast Network, and we're going to do something we did last year, which is a post-350 ADP mock draft, where we have to fill up a modified lineup with players only being drafted after 350. Yes. And one of our colleagues' first-round picks was Jeremy Pena. So that is a that that is a ringing endorsement from one of our colleagues at Pitcherlist. You'll that? have to. Actually, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, I'm not going yeah. to say but who it yeah. was. It's all it's all about dangling dangling the carrot, which is really a phrasing. But um, yeah, if if you want to hear the justification of that, you're going to have to listen to that episode of On the Wire when it comes out. It'll be with our friends from uh, On the Wire and Keeper Cut. Yep. So. Uh, my guy, 
my second player tonight is uh, Haseon Kim of the San Diego Padres. And no, this is not me coping with the Fernando Tatis news. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I was slightly in on Haseon Kim already this year because of the introduction of the, the NLDH and the opening of another, you know, 600 plate appearances for any player. Haseon Kim was as good a candidate as anyone to get those plate appearances. And uh, we know that he's a versatile player, but now that Fernando Tatis Jr. is out for a lengthy period of time, it's all systems go for Kim. He's currently earmarked as the starting shortstop for the Padres, for, and that should last until Tatis comes back. As far as I can tell, there's no one on that bench that can really play shortstop. Now, uh, obviously they could acquire somebody, but at this point, this is what it looks like. Kim was drafted around pick 250 last season and proceeded to completely fall on his face, unfortunately. There was a lot of talk in the offseason about how he was likely to struggle with MLB velocity coming over from the KBO, and unfortunately, not only did that play out as expected, but like many players, he struggled against sliders also. Did okay against breaking pitches, but uh, sorry, off-speed pitches, but really had major issues with every other pitch type. He particularly discouraging part of that is that it wasn't just elite velocity that he had a problem with. Kim also struggled against more mediocre fastballs with an ex-woba of 281 against fastballs 93 miles an hour or slower. So this is not a Nathaniel Lowe situation where he just can't hit good velocity. He just cannot hit any velocity. So I honestly, I, I really wish I had more nice things to say about his production in 2021. But Kim was really just, he was bad. He, there's no two ways about it. So why am I talking about him? Opportunity. That's one of the most important things for, you know, deep league picks. And he's got it. And he has a history of five category production in the KBO. The hope is that after 300 plate appearances in the MLB last year, he has seen what he has to compete against and he knows what he needs to change in order to thrive. Yeah, and I think might not it might not happen, but that's that's what we're hoping for. Yeah, and I think the added bonus of being shoved into a starting role to start the season will push him to get better as well and kind of rise to the occasion. So we'll see if he can do that. I mean, I hope he does. That'd be fantastic. I mean, as someone who is also a someone who rosters Fernando Tatis Jr. in an auto new league and has now lost him for the first three months of the season in a year I was hoping to compete, it kind of hurts, but I mean, maybe I can trade for Kim and at least like replace that production in some capacity. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hopeful. I, I won't say that I'm optimistic. Yeah. But I will also say that given his KBO production, he's one of, I mean, and this is a theme with my two picks today. Like he's got among the highest upside of anybody in the middle infield in these, uh you know, late draft picks. Absolutely. Yeah, he was, he was a, 30 home runs, uh, 20 stolen base guy over in Korea. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he puts up that, but I think like a 2010 might be reasonable from him over a full season if he played or if he had 600 plate appearances. Yeah, that would be a huge success. Yeah. Um. All right. And then lastly, I'm going to talk about my second baseman Uh, is also short top eligible, which is worth noting. Uh, Ramon Urias. Uh, 
yeah, let's just let me talk about another player who could be dis- displaced by a Carlos <laughs> Correa signing, because apparently that's a thing. Apparently people are thinking that Carlos Correa might sign with the Orioles, which is mind-blowing to me. Um, I would be very excited for Orioles fans, the many that we know. Shout out Alex Fast. And also Alex Fast. Wait, isn't Ben Palmer also an Orioles fan? He might be. I feel like he's from Maryland, isn't he? I think he's from Maryland. Anyways, uh, we know a few, we know we know we know a few Orioles fans. Uh, Heather Lennington Noble on Twitter as well. Uh, see, I I we know a few. Uh, but uh, we might know all of them. Hey, now easy. That's a, <laughs> sorry, that's, a major, that's a major shade. Um, yeah. So this is a pretty boring pick, and I'm not going to have a ton to say about Ramon Urias. But kind of just like beating that same drum over and over and over and over again. The one thing that we value more than anything on this pod is that we love it when people are going to be getting playing time and are not going to be challenged at their position because that means that they can accumulate stats. Um, right now, Urias has the lion's share uh, of reps at shortstop for Baltimore. Um, although the second base eligibility is what we're looking at. Um He's currently slated for 450 to 500 plate appearances, depending on what projection system you're looking at. Uh, And that many reps at a position is something that's pretty uncommon when you're picking someone on average at 456 in a draft. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of playing time for someone going that late in a draft. So he, he actually stuck out to me because what was this probably like a month and a half ago we had a mailbag episode where our one of our listeners at bing bong dinger on twitter thank you for the questions as always also an absolute superstar when it came to submitting us mailbag questions sent us like four or five that helped us entire episodes yes getting a writing credit for in the deep (laughs) truly um but asked the question if Urias could return top 200 value. Uh, I didn't answer that with like an emphatic no. I don't think it's going to happen. I still don't think it's going to happen. Um, that doesn't mean that there isn't value at his current ADP, though. Projections have him around like 100, 100 plus runs plus RBIs and a shot at a decent average. Uh, and at pick 456, you're not going to find many people like that. You're mostly going to be finding a lottery tickets. Like 99% of the people you're taking at that point are people with zero confirmed playing time opportunities. It's folks that are in the minors that might get called up at some point, but you're trying to stash. Like I would much rather take, especially like just in the draft, have that sure production coming from someone than trying to like land and hit one of those lottery tickets that you're trying to get 99% of the other times. So all right, yeah. So I I am going to briefly go, go off script here, yeah. Because uh, something that we do at the end of most of our position previews is talk about uh, like honorable mentions, which we are we are not going to do in depth today because you know we we just we spent like forty minutes talking about the news and uh, the you know recent team transactions. So what I would like to do here is I want to do a lightning round. Go for do it. something quick. For the first time ever, we are going to do something quickly that we say we are going to do quickly. I'm just going to blaze through some guys that I'm interested in post 300 that can bring certain things to your team. So at shortstop, we know David Fletcher is who he is. He And same for JP Crawford. They both bring value to a team. If you need specific things, those specific things being very few, very little power, batting average, 
and a few steals here and there. Uh, Edmundo Sosa is kind of intriguing in St. Louis because he has posted absurd exit velos at one point and great sprint speed. So in theory, he's got, you know, fantasy value there. Um, I, I would caution because if you just look at his Savant page, you'll see a max exit velo that is really, really, really good. But he only did that like once. Otherwise, his exit velo was very, very mediocre. So I'm not in uh, as in on Edmundo Sosa as a lot of people. Tyler Wade, Jordan really likes because of the stolen base potential. Yes, 100%. I mean, like, again, he had like 130 plate appearances and he stole like 17 bases or something like that. Like Mondesi-esque. Yeah, it's 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 gross. I mean, the thing is, is trying to find the times where he's actually going to play. <laughs> if you're in a, mm-hmm. like, this is basically, it's basically a daily league move rather than a weekly league move because you don't know when he's going to get those opportunities so keep that in mind but interesting in terms of stolen base upside yep and we are keeping a very close eye on the shortstop battle in philadelphia because whoever gets the job between dd gregorius and bryson stott they are almost going to be worth rostering just because of the lineup yeah i mean that's the thing too is like gregorius i think is going to absolutely have the job to start the year i think that's stott eventually takes it from him though if he struggles yeah. even a bit like and i don't know why i cannot get this out of my head i am mildly interested in nico goodrum and again this is this is largely I, lineup based i I, I, shrubs, yeah, I i've been down that road i don't know man i i can't shake it's, it it's, I, uh... you know what i think it's because of mlb the show because he had a card in mlb the show last year that was very good and it's stuck in my head and i can't get it out you got that but, poisoned uh, gamer brain <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it really uh but nigo is with houston now so he gets to benefit from that same lineup as uh jeremy pena in theory so if Car- carlos correa does spurn houston you know i expect nico to pick up some utility guy plate appearances chip in a few home runs a few steals not a bad option if you are desperate i don't think same for lcd's escobar although he is more of the uh the, the boring variety where he'll give you an empty batting average, some counting stats. And as for second baseman, this is a shorter list. You guys know I love my Jeff McNeil for batting average. Same can be said for uh, Luis Arias and Adam Frazier. They kind of all do similar things. Wilmer Flores, if you're in a daily league and you can scout out when he's going to be facing lefties, you want Wilmer Flores in your lineup on those days. He's also, a fantastic platoon guy. Also important that he has first, second, and third base eligibility. Yes, which is awesome, especially in deep leagues. Yes. Um, Rushi Odor. I I I I am man. going to fall. I'm going to fall for this again. I did this all last year with Michael Franco. I wish I could quit man. you. O- Odor is in Baltimore. He's a lefty, so he shouldn't be victimized by that new pushed out left field fence. He hits the ball hard. He steals bases. He might be. He might do some fantasy things. He's not going to be a good real life player, but he might do some things for your fantasy team. If Robbie Cano is healthy for any amount of time, he is incredibly likely to outproduce his draft slot. It will not be hard to outproduce that draft slot, right? Yeah, he's at four seventy five right now. Yeah, I, I think if he if he stays healthy, he hits. But that's just the health is maybe a bigger question mark with him than any other player we've talked about. Uh, Tommy Listella, strong lefty platoon bat. 
we we uh we kind of know what he does and it's the giants so they will use him to the best of his capabilities in theory so he's another one like wilmer flores where you need to monitor the lineups yeah he'll be leading off when he is in the lineup most times so that's going to be some run opportunity there which is nice and uh, i i want to say andy ibanez again okay because because of just because if brad miller doesn't pan out which he may or may not uh then that third base spot should be all andy ibanez's and i really like what he brings to the table as a deep league target because he's just one of those steady guys he'll he'll you know he'll hit like 260 or 270 and get you some counting stats but there was also that I'm... tweet before we started recording that we're not sure if it's from a reputable source or not, but saying that Trevor Story might be interested in signing with the Rangers. What uh, happens yes. then? I was actually trying to will that to happen by saying that I like Ibanez. Oh, okay. Well. Trying to reverse jinx it. Ah, yes, the reverse Schwebzy. Very good. Very nice. Yes. All right, that's going to be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you all so much for joining us once again. If you like the show, be sure to give us a like and give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Oh, wait, Schwabzi's raising his hand. <laughs> like a good boy, I am raising my hand. Breaking news, which you will probably have heard by the time you listen to this podcast. Oh, God, I hope I'm not being baited by a fake podcast, uh, a fake Twitter account. MLB source free agent shortstop Carlos Correa has reached an agreement with the Minnesota Twins on a three-year deal worth $105 million with opt-outs after the first two years. Oh, wow. I don't know who Mark Berman is. I don't know if he's reputable or not. Well, he's Luis Arias just got, got a check mark. Luis Arias just got way worse. And goodbye, uh, probably Jose Miranda stock, too. Uh, yeah, that's true. Man. Well... That was a good bomb to drop at the end of the episode. Drop like Mike. That. I'm out. Drop Mike. He's out. All right. Picking up where I left off before I was so appropriately interrupted. Um, be sure to give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. If you like the show, we would appreciate it. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. And also, if you like the show, feel free to follow us on Twitter at In the Deep PL or myself, Bunt Singles, or Schwebzy. That's Schwebzy, S-H-W-E-B-S-I for more uh, baseball and non-baseball content, really. Uh, And with that, we'll talk to you next week. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.